1: Hello and welcome to Face Off. Today we'll be discussing Liverpool's recent 3-1 win at Anfield over Arsenal. And as ever, I'm joined by two great guests to bring you through it. Firstly, I'll introduce our Arsenal fan. I've got Dan Fitzpatrick, panellist on EPL Index's EPL Roundtable. How are you doing, Dan?
2: I'm doing alright. It'd probably be better if I was a Liverpool fan than an Arsenal fan, but that's not how things go.
1: Fair, fair. Um, Before we we get into the match, I want to talk to you a few things, Arsenal, if you, you wouldn't mind. Last season was a mixed bag for Arsenal. Just four wins in 13 league games saw manager Unai Emery relieved of his position at the end of November. Mikel Arteta was appointed during the Christmas period and he appeared to be one of the winners of the season being postponed as it gave him a few weeks to work with his team. While there were certainly signs of improvement following the restart, results continued to be up and down and it appeared following a 2-1 derby loss to Spurs that Arsenal fans had resigned themselves to the season being a write-off. However, an unlikely turnaround against Liverpool at the Emirates appeared to inspire confidence and Arsenal went on to win the FA Cup, notably beating Manchester City and Chelsea en route. What's your assessment of Arteta's first few months in charge, Dan? And do you feel things are moving in the right direction?
2: So my main assessment of Arteta is essentially that he has made us quantitatively better. Um, we are very clearly—he's like very clearly done in meaningful coaching things. We're very clearly more organized, better at playing out from the back, more committed to playing out from the back, um, and just generally, it looks like the players actually know what they're supposed to do. We have a consistent system, we've consistent formation. Etc., but that hasn't actually resulted in any qual- or like qualitative or quantitative improvements. He's improved qualitatively, but we have not seen any quantitative improvements from that. Like our performances are essentially the same as we were under Emery. Um, we're still getting outshot consistently. We're still uh, conceding a lot of shots. We're still we can't create anything. Um, that's been a pretty common thread under Arteta the entire time he's been here. Um, so it's kind of like he's clearly doing something he's clearly good at being able to coach those things he is coaching it's just whether those things matter because like you know you can look better all you want but if you're still playing poorly it doesn't really matter um, so there's signs and I hope those eventually turn into better performances with both more time and hopefully better players um, but to this point it is a mixed bag um, I think he is at least a decent coach but whether it's enough I don't know we'll see
1: yeah, I mean, you, you touched on there that, that he seems to have a plan. And I think that's notably different to maybe the likes of Oleg Gunnar Solskjaer at United and Frank Lampard at Chelsea, who seem to chop and change a lot in terms of their system and their approach. I mean, is that the starting point for, for any team look at, looking to build, you know, to have a plan and stick to that plan? Yeah,
2: and I think... Whether this is true of Solskjaer or Lampard, I don't know, but I think a general thing is like n- not even the formation, but you need to have like certain principles that you stick to. And Arteta absolutely has those. Um, very committed to playing out from the back is a general thing, but we have very specific patterns of play through playing out from the back. Um, we ha- a very clearly has a specific um, wants in how his midfield plays and how his wingers and, in our case, um, wing backs interact with each other. Um, There's clearly very specific things he wants in the team and is getting the team to do so that is like I said that's the encouraging part those are the signs that like he clearly can coach a team it's just whether his the plan he's moving towards is actually good and it's it's actually something that can get us to the level we want to be at in whether it's this year probably not this year uh, but hopefully in the near future.
1: Yes, certainly. And I, I think maybe w- one of the issues possibly for Arteta might be not having the, the personnel that, it, that he might ideally want for his his way of playing. And w- with that in mind, we'll, we'll have a look at the, the window. Now, Arsenal have had somewhat of a subdued transfer window so far. Loney's Pablo Mari and Cedric Soares were signed to permanent deals earlier in the summer. Dani Cebelos' services were also secured for Real Madrid for another season. Since then, centre back Gabriel has come in from Lille for a reported £23 million, and backup keeper Runner Runnerson, great name by the way, was secured for a nominal fee from Dijon, with Emiliano Martinez being sold to Aston Villa for a reported £20 million. The club appeared to hope to bring in another midfielder before the window shuts, with Hossam Auer of Lyon and Thomas Party of Atletico Madrid being tutored. However, both clubs are notoriously difficult to negotiate with. There were also suggestions of odson Edward being targeted, but that appears to have died down, but it's seemingly hinging on the possibility of selling Lacazette for an acceptable price. Are you happy with the business that has been done so far, Dan, and what else do you feel is needed?
2: Uh, well, I'm aware of it. Like The financial situation is kind of tough. Um, we don't appear to have all that much money, and we rely... I believe I've read that we rely specific uh, specifically more than other clubs rely on gate revenue, which obviously that's not happening right now, um, which I mean, it, it's a shame, but it's obviously no, throw, no fault of our own. Um, I can't really, as much as it's, it has bad consequences. I can't really complain about that. It is what it is. Um, so the fact that we have had a subdued transfer window is expected, at least to me, I expected it. Um, I would like to see preferably a, midfielder brought in preferably our i'm not really a fan of thomas Partey, at least in our specific situation um considering he is a bit on the older side of the aging curve and i don't think he is good enough to shoot us into top four contention so it's kind of like buying someone on the older end of the aging curve when you're already not going to be good and you're going to to pay him a lot of money doesn't really make sense to me so i'm not really a fan of that potential transfer but our intrigues me quite a bit um hopefully we can bring him in i'm kind of I'm in favor of us selling some more of our prime age players. Um, two obvious candidates would be Lacazette and um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. We don't seem to be particularly keen on doing that and not selling players at um, maybe not their peak value, but at when they still have value has been a big issue for us for the last couple of years. Um, hopefully we recognize that and sell some of those guys to buy some people who could be a part of the next good Arsenal team as opposed to whatever this is. Um, so I, to the point, it is... It's very much an incomplete grade because so we don't know how the Windows going to end. But to this point, there are at least signs that it could be good, which is pretty much a pretty much a safe bet or a safe assessment for all of Arsenal right now.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, it, it is just just like as you said same as a lot of clubs there is the financial reality at the moment and you might want to do certain business but it, it isn't so easy if clubs aren't so willing to buy your players and you know i think while liverpool have gotten some good business done there, there has been suggestions that they might have done a little bit more if if they'd been able to to sell players for the right place so it's it's frustrating for fans but at the same time as you say they 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 have to accept that that reality because it's it's not true the fault of their clubs of course, we also have a Liverpool fan to take us through the match. And with us tonight, we have Simon Dowling, panellist on the Fantasy Football Podcast. How are you doing tonight, Simon?
0: Very well. Um, Very, very happy with that match. Uh, I really enjoyed it a lot and um, i been happy with the first three matches so far of the season. Can't complain at all.
1: Yes, yeah, certainly it's it's been a good start for the club so far and, and touch hopefully that continues and, and we can enjoy a season much like last season. We can dare to dream yet again. Um, but, you know, we, we talked through Arsenal's business there with Dan. Um, Liverpool, of course, have done some business of their own. They've made three signings so far this summer with Kostas Cas Thiago Alacantara and Diogo Jota joining the ranks. Reportedly there is likely to be no more incomings with the focus being on moving on some of the younger members of the squad who appear keen to move on for first team opportunities with Rian Brewster, Harry Wilson, Marco Grouge and Nathaniel Phillips being linked with moves away. We got to look at what some of the squad players can offer in the league cup fixture last week, with the likes of Jordan, Shakiri, and Curtis Jones impressing among others. Simon, is this the strongest Liverpool squad we've seen in some time, and what, if anything, is still required to complete it?
0: I think this could be one of the best squads that we've ever had in the history of the club. I know that might sound quite like a wild thing to say, but I just think, I mean, our first. 11 was definitely up there as one of the best that we've ever seen and that's um, the fact that we won the league so fast. is just kind of backs that fact up but we were always had that fairly big dip especially in the front three um, with the likes of Origi who just, I mean, he scored some absolutely some very, very important goals for us but there was just that a, a fairly large level dip when he was on the pitch and especially when he started a match, he never s- seemed to really make that much of an influence and seemed quite lost. Um, so it's, I think improving our squad was um, very important not only to have the options off the bench but to push our first team even further and I don't know if it's just the fact that we seem to be h- hungry and we've kind of um, there was obviously a huge de- Different form after we won the league, which you can kind of understand. You know, it's the team worked so hard, and they just took their foot off the pedal just a, a little bit. But um, it seems to have worked. With our midfield has definitely improved a lot. Now that they're looking at their bench and thinking who can appear in their spot, um, in Thiago, who is one of the best midfielders in the world for the last five or six years now and he's just an absolute force and we saw just a little bit of him last week and what he can do so and then the likes of Robertson as well he's now got a proper left back who can take a spot if his form dips. so he seems to really pushed on and it's it's just nice to see the team have that um, to be able to look in the bench and know that if they don't play well there's a person who can take their spot and there's not a huge level drop.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean I like how you pointed out there that the the competition forces the the players in the first team to to up their performance and I think Robertson has certainly been um, a good example of that because I think maybe towards the end of, of last season he wasn't necessarily at his best but we've seen since Simakas has come in he's he's just he's back to, to prime Roberts, and that's what you want to see and I mean Simikas didn't look too bad himself there against Lincoln, Lincoln in midweek and I'm looking forward to seeing him against presumably see him again against Arsenal on, on Thursday.
0: Yeah I think he'll definitely start I mean I think we'll probably see a team like we played against Lincoln with someone like a like a Van Dyke in the back, just to make sure. Um, which you know he might do that first half Van Dyke, and then depending if Matt, I don't know if Matt, Matt fit or back, but if he was back, I imagine he might play. And um, Joe Joe Gomez might and play this second half, or he might and um, give Fabinho another run back there.
1: Yeah, that's, that's certainly an option there. That That's the one maybe weakness in our second team, if you will, at the moment is that the lack of centre-back options. You know, we, we've got a couple of kids there really because Matip's there I think Matip's still out now until um, after the international break. I think and Ox are due back after the international break. So hopefully there's no setbacks for either of them. But certainly overall, I mean, we, we, we have a lot of options there. And although... We look set to face a decent kind of second string Arsenal side on Thursday. I think we can we, we can be confident in the team that we're, we're going to put out, which is a, a test, testament to, to the squad that we have at the moment. So it is, it is very promising. But let's move on to the match. But before we do that, of course, we'll discuss the starting 11s, starting with Arsenal. So Arsenal lined up in the flexible 3-4-3 that they've tended to play under Arteta. Leno between the sticks, Holding, Luiz and Tierney making up the back three, Bellerin and Maitland-Niles as the wing El Elneny and Jacka in midfield, and Aubameyang, Lacazette and Willian comprising the front three. Fans of both sides appeared surprised that Rob Holding started ahead of Gabriel at the back, but perhaps that's just a case of easing the new man in. A few other roles appeared to be up for debate some were surprised with Neni's inclusion over Sebalos while Saka had been mentioned as an alternative a left wing back and both Nketiah and Pepe were discussed as options to start alongside Aubameyang in the front three. Dan did you agree with the choices made by Arteta any other surprises with the selection for you?
2: Uh, the big disagreement would have come in midfield with uh, the start of Mohamed Elneny over uh, Danny Ceballos. I didn't really agree with that. I can kind of see where he's coming from. He just wants the general, more safe, industrious, et cetera, et cetera, midfielder. But um, I, it was pretty apparent through the first half. We had no one to progress the ball uh, fr- from defense to attack. Jaka um, can do that job. But that's more, of, you know, longer ranging passes. Um, whereas Ceballos is someone who can actually dribble past the midfielder and, play a short more creative pass to um the likes of, the, of willian and obamian and lacazette um we really didn't have anything going forward in the first half i think that was a reasonably wasn't the only reason but it was one of them uh, i think that was a pretty significant blunder uh outside of that it was, it was fine um didn't have any issues other than that uh maitland niles starting left wing back despite being a right footer is just a thing we've done for a while i think that's uh a nod of of the cap to Trent Alexander-Arnold and his ability, and as well as um, the front three of Salah, uh, Mane, and Firmino, just having the extra defensive uh, capabilities of Maitland-Niles uh, to help out Tierney and the back three was uh, an expected move. It was pretty; it, I would would have been very surprised if Saka had been starting that left wing back role.
1: And I mean, you you talked about Elneny's inclusion there. I mean, he did, of course, play against Liverpool in the community shield. And and many people suggest that he was perhaps Arsenal's best player on the day. He really shut down the the Liverpool midfield for a good 50-55 minutes. Do do you think maybe that was why he got the nod yesterday?
2: Uh, There's a decent chance, yeah. But um, uh, I I, I don't know. I... I would not draw too many conclusions from a Community Shield game, from one Community Shield game. I do not agree with drawing significant conclusions about uh, who I would start uh, in a game, in a meaningful game from that. So, yeah, that is the way it is.
1: Okay, and I'm sure we'll we'll discuss your midfield more once we, we get into the match. Um, but moving on to the Liverpool starting eleven. Liverpool were forced to make one change from the side that beat Chelsea last time out, with the returning Gomez replacing injured skipper Henderson and Fabinho stepping back into midfield. Mata Benox remained missing through injury and they were joined by Thiago who was unavailable for selection following a late fitness test. The team in full, Alisson, Trent, Gomez, Van Dijk, Robbo, Fabinho, Keita, Gini, Salah, Firmino, Mane. Simon, were you surprised by any of the selections or did the team pick itself given the injuries?
0: Yeah, I think it pretty much picked itself. I mean, that's probably the best team that we have um, at the moment and there wasn't really anything I definitely expected Fab to come back in the midfield. I thought, I know I'd heard a few people talk about how they would have liked him to stay at the back but I think against someone like Obama Yang, even though he's amazing and especially at a a kind of a one-on-one, he doesn't have the same pace that Gomez has and I don't think he would have struggled but I think there could have been a a weakness exploded and I he's obviously much better in that midfield role Um, so I thought that was definitely the right call to make and yeah, the midfield kind of, that's our best midfield three um, that were fit obviously there's an argument there that when all of our midfields are fit I don't think there's necessarily a best three. I think it's going to depend on the match, and then the front three is the front three.
1: Speaking of the midfield, there, there had been some suggestions for fan from fans prior to the game that, that perhaps Curtis Jones warranted a, a go over Naby Keita, perhaps. I mean, is that something you'd agree with, or were you, were you happy that the Klopp went with Keita?
0: Yeah, I didn't expect Jones to start. i maybe think this... I mean, he has been absolutely fantastic, Fantastic for us and he's um scored a fair few as well, he's actually had a, f- a fairly good output and um, he looked very good against Lincoln but I mean that's a very different level of opposition and I just think that he just still mightn't be ready and Nobby's looked very sharp and he's finally building that match fitness that we've wanted pretty much ever since we bought him and he hasn't really, he's been kind of on and off with injuries and trying to I think it's important that he that we kind of build him up, you know, and I think we'll see Jones' time will come. But for those matches, and I think a lot of the league matches, I doubt he's going to start very many unless we have injuries.
1: Yeah, certainly, I mean, there is a, a lot of depth there, as we, we discussed. So, obviously, he's going to have to take these chances, but... You know, seemingly he'll have another chance against Arsenal on Thursday night. So we'll we'll see how he gets on in the cup. Um, But we'll move on to the match discussion. The home team looked to start the match in an aggressive manner. And perhaps Sadio Mane took that a step too far when on two minutes he raised his arm to hold off Kieran Tierney. Catching him in the face in the process and getting a yellow card for his trouble. Simon, so, mean, I have to admit I was annoyed with Mane at the time because it's the sort of thing that can go both ways and it certainly gives the ref something to ponder. But fortunately, it was just the yellow this time. What was your take on the incident?
0: Yeah, it was one of those ones, wasn't it, where I wouldn't have been surprised if it had been red, even though I didn't think it was red. But I can see, like, at first I was kind of like, OK, he, he, you know, it was a kind of a loose arm, but it did look quite bad on the replay and... It wasn't his elbow. It was kind of like his fist, kind of sort. Not that that's much better, but I think that might have been just the fact that he wasn't. He didn't seem to do it on purpose, which I definitely don't think that he did. But it was still he did have his arm quite high, so like I, it was a risk, yeah. And <laughs> I was holding my breath, and because that would have been obviously that probably would have been a, a very different match. Um, So look, I think the fact it happened so early is what a lot of people said. Maybe the ref didn't want to throw it a red after two minutes, but I don't. I'm not really sure that's true or not. But um, yeah, it was certainly lucky. I think would be the word for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a weird one when, when arms are and hands are thrown into faces. I mean, I recall last season against Spurs, it, it happened twice with, with Liverpool. Both Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld were guilty of it, and, and neither uh, were even booked for their troubles. So it, it just, it seems to be some refs, let it go. Some refs give a yellow, some refs give a red. There, there just doesn't seem to be a, a common line there. Um, Dan, there seemed to be a lot of focus on that at this particular incident from Arsenal fans after the match. I, I was honestly surprised how much focus it was getting, given that it tends to be one of those decisions that's made at the referee's personal discretion. How did you feel about the decision? And do you feel this is something that there needs to be a more consistent line with?
2: Uh, I thought a yellow was fine. Um, I can see, like, if it was given a red, it wouldn't have been the most shocking thing in the world, but I think a yellow is a more apt punishment. Um, I agree with you. I don't think he did it on purpose. You like, you can see throughout the replay, he never looks back. He doesn't give a look before he throws his arm. Um, it's a pretty standard thing to essentially box out with your arms um, to maintain control of the ball or maintain control of the position to control the ball. Um, so... I don't know. I, it's not really a big a deal. I think if I had gone to this game with more hope, I would probably have been more annoyed about it, to be honest. Um, but considering I kind of went in pretty fatalistic, uh, I wasn't all that bothered by, like, a yellow that maybe sort of could have, in a world, been a red, wasn't a red. Uh, and as far as more consistency on refereeing, uh, sure. But it's one of those things where it, the differences are so small between... A lot of it is based on intent, and, you know, in, reading intent is always a mess... Um, So, ideally, there'd be a more clear line, but it's kind of a tough one.
1: Yeah, I I got you there. There there is the question of intent, and I mean, referees aren't mind readers at the end of the day, so it it can be a difficult one for them to to make a call on. So, Liverpool certainly started the brighter of the two sides, with Mane and Genie forcing saves from Leno, as well as a deflected shot from Trent hitting the bar, The home side pressed relentlessly and their passing was quick and sharp. It felt like it was just a matter of time. Simon, it was an impressive start from the Reds. Perhaps what impressed me most was how aware of the potential counter-attack we appeared and how we were quick to snuff out any potential breaks. We seemed undone on the counter too easily at times towards the end of last season and again on the opening day against Leeds, so I was impressed with the reaction. How did you assess the opening quarter of the match?
0: Yeah, I thought we played really, really well. We just kept Arsenal pinned back, um, and we really just handed them on the ball. They constantly, obviously, as Dan mentioned, um, a function of the Arteta team is to pass the ball out from the back, and they seemed completely intent on that. And they had very certain shapes that we definitely exposed quite well. And I think it takes a certain. I mean, I think we make that look easy but it's not you know it's like I don't think most teams would be able to hound and press that effectively without leaving themselves open which is what which is what we, we do best and I think that match is one of the best that I've seen for quite a while anyway certainly since last year I mean it's been a while that we've played with that amount of kind of just everyone was just after the ball and everyone worked so especially the front three, which um, is something that often gets overlooked by people or people don't really think that. That's where we always start our press and we um, made it really tough for Arsenal to pass the ball out of their own half and we forced them to knock the ball out of play. We we won the ball back in those spots kind of between their box and the halfway line, which is where we love to win the ball back and then we'd have around five or six people maybe even more run into the box. Like There was just a lot of red shirts in and around the box when we won the ball back. Which, um, But as you mentioned, we didn't leave ourselves exposed. We had a good high line at the back and um, Van Dyke was doing his thing when balls in the air and Alisson was very aware of it, picking up any balls that were lobbed in over the back of us.
1: Yeah, it's, it certainly was an impressive. And Dan, as Simon has been suggesting there, Liverpool were clearly on it on the night. However, it's commendable that this Arsenal side were able to keep it reasonably tight at the back and were willing to put their bodies in the way when required. Something that might not have been the case with other recent Arsenal sides. What has Arteta done to tighten things up at the back?
2: Uh, well, one, one thing is a very interesting, because Martin ended had being the player he was, and... Being a Pep Guardiola disciple, you, everyone expects him to be more like Pep. But really, he's quite defensive, or at least has been in his time at Arsenal. That may be a personnel thing. Um, but he is very much prioritizes staying tight and compact and very much prioritizes defense over offense um, as much as you can in this sport. Um, so, one, I think this change to three at the back has been significant. Um, yeah, I think it's been to compensate for our lack of individual quality at the back. Um, but we just we tend to have more people behind the ball because there's literally more people behind the ball in, in that formation. Um, having the third center back helps. Um, he's very willing to. I think he he will. He's clearly very willing to sacrifice um, offensive presence to shore the team up the back, and that was no or no different here um, with the inclusion of Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Mohamed El um, I I really do think it's more. It's almost an emphasis on. Keeping shape, that is, I guess that is an, another change as well. Um, like I said earlier, we're more structured, so that helps keep men behind the ball. We tend not to get uh, caught out too often. Um, so I think that mainly the two main things are just a general more structured approach and a real prioritization on being solid defensively um, over anything else really.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the action in, in that first few minutes that, that most impressed me from Arsenal was at, at one point when Ann and I think it was Rob Holding, both slid to, to block an attempted cross from, from Robertson. And, you know, it's it's rare you see, in the past where you'd see one Arsenal player throwing himself to, to block a ball, let alone two. So, I mean, there, there's they clearly are getting behind the, the manager's defensive ethos at the, at the very least so far, so that's that's a promising sign if, if you're an Arsenal fan. It was indeed a matter of time before a goal, but it came at the wrong end. Arsenal countered down their left side on 25 minutes through Maitland-Niles, and despite the home side appearing to get men back, somehow it resulted in a goal against a run of play. Dan, Liverpool seem to be the gift that keeps on giving as far as Arsenal are concerned. How about you take us through the goal?
2: Uh, so, some I think, well, the ball came to Granit Xhaka. I don't exactly remember how, but he played it up to um, Alexander Lacazette, who kind of slit, or did a slide pass, um, just kind of hitting it into space uh, for Maitland-Niles to run on to. Uh, Maitland-Niles picked it up and clearly didn't know what to do. Um, his decision-making was slow, and then he... Played a pretty terrible ball um that should have been easily intercepted by um i think it was van dyke in front of robertson or robertson himself um the first person missed it and then robertson kind of seemed to hit it off his own heel uh which allowed the ball just kind of fall to lacazette who had a uh it's weird to call it a one-on-one when he's kind of hitting a swivel volley but it was a one-on-one with allison where he scuffed the ball but it bounced into the ground and over allison and in Uh, It was really another comedic goal for us against uh, Liverpool, which just seems to be the standard these days.
1: Yeah, um, unfortunately for our sake, I'm I'm getting a bit tired of seeing them personally. I mean, uh, Arteta's Arsenal don't seem to get a lot of chances against the big sides, but when they get them, they tend to take them. Is his ability to finish the reason why Lacazette was preferred to the likes of Pepe and Nketiah?
2: Um, I would say... Uh, Pepe would never have been an option because uh, it's pretty clear that Arteta doesn't see Aubameyang as a striker. So uh, when he can't play striker, I guess Nkedia could have, but you're not going to leave out Aubameyang. So therefore there's not the extra spot for Pepe. So it is between uh, Nketiah and Lacazette. And I'd say the general, I I think it's more of the Lacazette's shown more willingness to drop back and contribute to general play. And is more of a poacher, um, which is funny because that was more of Lacazette's reputation coming from France. Um, but, yeah, I'd say it's more of a general t- willingness to contribute to play when we really need that with Aubameyang as one of the wingers uh, more than anything else.
1: Well, at least he managed to finish on, on this he occasion. Did, but we'll, he, we'll get on to his yeah. other chances later ah, on. Nah. We, won't, we won't let him off the hook. Uh, Simon, we gifted Arsenal two goals at the Emirates towards the end of last season we didn't cover ourselves in glory with their goal in the Community Shield and now another gift. A miscued clearance by Robbo and then Alisson appears to gamble on which way Lacazette was going to go rather than waiting to react. Liverpool seem to be no strangers to defensive lapses in recent months. Are you at all concerned by this, Trent?
0: Not really concerned, but it's just annoying. (laughs) It's... I mean, this is just an absolute ridiculous just one error and then it was almost as if Arsenal tried not to score the way he hit that ball and still it just creeps into the net. It was just very frustrating. Um, and it wasn't like they had been trying to make that move or been trying to break through and you know, we kept on just getting it. It was kind of their first proper attack the match and it was just as you say, it seems to be something that's happened to fair, but um, I thought with our kind of uh, our best back five, which we had out there, that those kind of errors would stop a little bit. But it seems to just it was it just felt like I think that match it just felt like one. It was just one of those things. There's, it's just a bad error. There's nothing you really do the lead match felt a little sloppier. There was three or four of those moments, which is worrying. But we're not. Allowing a lot of, a lot of chances, and I don't think we've actually, um, I haven't checked our so much, but we haven't c- c- conceived uh, any or maybe even just one or two big, big chances on us. So we're not allowing the opposition um, to score, but we're making it easy on them by making the mistakes ourselves. But I think it's I think that's easier to fix than if we were, um if the opposition was constantly getting in behind us and having chance after chance but Arsenal just seemed to have a very high percentage conversion rate when they play us for some reason and I don't know what it is but it's very annoying
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think we all seen Pierce Morgan uh, bragging about it on, on Twitter um, but I don't think he was bragging at full time but a bit of a strange one <laughs> Um yeah no certainly I get where you're coming from we seem to be facing very few shots which is positive but the the goals to to shots ratio that we're conceding you know might might be something that, that Klopp and his team will look at and I'm sure they they certainly will But fortunately, it didn't take too long for the home side to respond. On 27 minutes, Nabi Keita was fouled, but the referee played a good advantage as the ball found its way to the feet of Salah. Simon, how about you take it from here?
0: Yeah, so uh, Nabi gets hacked down uh, pretty badly. It was a good play on from the ref. The ball came to Mo on the wing, and he kind of cut inside. And I don't know how he got past him, it was just pace and strength really, I mean like he went in on the inside of him, uh, had a nice shot, Leno who has a habit of punching the ball back out across his own goal, that's exactly what he did and Mane was just there waiting for a tap in.
1: The quick positive reaction to setbacks was something we became accustomed to last season, prior to securing the title, and we saw it again against Leeds. How important is that mentality?
0: Oh, it's very important. Like it, it felt like when Arsenal scored, we nearly went off for fuck's sake. Now come on, we got to go and score. You know, we've been dominating the, the match, and we just almost kind of turned it on then and just went for it. Um, it's very rare that the heads. Go down first, and it hasn't happened. I mean, I don't really count the post winning the title because it's it's very hard to really judge the team from that. But it's been a while that a team has scored, and we and our kind of heads have went. And um, it takes a lot. Like I think Klopp has really just ingrained that in the team. This 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 kind of. Always, they they'll fight back. They'll never say no, and they'll fight until the last minute of a match. Even when we when we're three or four nil up, but often it's very rare that we completely relax in a match, and we either we're very very tight at the back, or we look to score some more goals
1: the end of the day we are known as mentality monsters and and i think that that's so important when it it comes to a side winning things dan something i noted with leno last night was his tendency to push the ball out a lot and get little distance when doing so is that a weak point of his game and should he have done better here
2: um it's definitely not something that has come up significantly or at least so much so that i have it as like a a weak uh, as a mental part that he's bad at um as far as could he have done better, it's kind of a tough one when the shot is that close to him and Mane is that close to him. Like he, he could theoretically have pushed it out behind Mane, but quite frankly, re- reflexes wise, he's just focused on not letting the ball go past him. So, if theoretically, he could have done better, but it's also a very tough one to make the first save. It initially is pretty good, um, and like I said, uh, generally speaking, it's not something that comes up particularly often, um, or at least not to the extent that is resulted in goals and made me think of it oh that's a clear weakness in his game
1: yeah certainly i mean he, he did he did make some some decent saves on the night so i mean no no goalkeeper is perfect as even we've seen with allison obviously on the the Lacazette goal Nabi uh, naby Keita stung the gloves of leno a few minutes later but it wasn't long before the home side had completed the turnaround when on 34 minutes the ball was once again in the arsenal net Simon, take us through another goal, if you please.
0: So this one, I don't remember how the ball came out to Trent. um, But the ball went out to him wide. And he kind of hooked in a really nice ball that just took a little deflection off one of the Arsenal defenders. Might have been holding, I'm not 100% sure. And and Andy was waiting there at the back post. The man who made that brutal error. And his finish was absolutely fantastic. Because he kind of had the ball very near to... Leno and he was very, very calm finish from him. He took one touch and sort of lifted the ball over him with his left foot. And in the past, we've seen him miss some absolute failures. He's absolutely vaulted the ball over, um, over the bar. So it was really, really nice for him to score after he was the one who made that individual error.
1: Certainly, it was it was a, a brilliant finish, especially coming from a, a full-back. Uh, Trent, of course, provides the assist here and was unlucky not to have another assist earlier when he put the ball into Mane. Leeds were effective at keeping him quiet on the opening day, but clearly we saw him back to his best in an attacking sense here. It can't be overstated how important his supply is, can it?
0: No, he's definitely like, I mean, that's what a lot of teams have spoken about. The best way to stop us is to just push our fullbacks back, and teams have tried it and failed. Um, Leeds actually made a very good job of it, and they did have him penned back. Um, but even still, he'll still find that way through, and also he's very good from set pieces, um, putting in the ball. But I thought this was one of his, this definitely his best performance that we've seen anyway this season, and um, maybe he just had a little bit of. Rustiness and he was just getting back to full fitness, but because he obviously had picked up a little bit of an injury, or I think it might have even been COVID that he had, or there was a little scare with him. And um, so he didn't feature too much pre-season f- for, so he wasn't as match fit. And um, but he's definitely back to his best now, and he was amazing then that right hand side.
1: Yeah, certainly a great game from him, and I'd agree it's it's probably his best so far. Dan, as I implied, teams seem to be placing their focus on keeping our fullbacks quiet for obvious reasons, and some have had relative success doing so. However, Arsenal clearly failed to do so on the night. Is that where the match was potentially won and lost?
2: Um, Honestly, I think the gap was so wide in the end that it's kind of hard to pinpoint any specific area it was won or lost other than Liverpool having better players. Um, It definitely wasn't great. Uh, like obviously, the Liverpool fullbacks did quite well. Uh, they tend to do that; they're very good at football. Um, so it, it definitely wasn't a positive. But again, I think like, we also we got outshot. I think it, it I think it ended up going down as twenty one to four. But one of those shots for us did shouldn't have even counted. It was eventually way flagged off sides. So twenty one to three. Like when you know when the gap in quality is that big, it's kind of hard to put one specific factor on like why the game was lost. If you know what I mean. The Reds spent the
1: remainder of the half pushing for a third with Arsenal seemingly on the ropes. The half ended with Arsenal having just the one shot and just 27% of the possession. Simon, one defensive error aside, could you have asked for much more in that first half performance-wise?
0: No, I thought that was pretty pretty perfect Um, from everyone on the pitch. Everyone played well, obviously, apart from that one. Error, we did really well to come back then and hit Arsenal instantly after just a minute or two and score and equalise. And then it felt a little bit weird to be heading in half time only winning by one goal in a way. It felt like we'd kind of earned a little bit more than that, but I never really felt like we were going to lose the match. But I was just there's always that nagging feeling that you just need that third. so it felt that was the only thing obviously that was was that we hadn't scored more than two Um, but I mean that's probably asking a little bit too much yeah I think we were just absolutely spot on in the match
1: yeah it was certainly an, an impressive commanding performance Arsenal did have a side of goal towards the end of the half, with Gomez having to deal with a sharp cross from William. Myself and Guy were quite critical of Gomez's performance against Leeds on this show, but he seemed to be back to his best tonight. How do you feel he got on, Simon?
0: Yeah, I thought he was brilliant. Um, he definitely is back now. And when he's in that form, he's absolutely fantastic. I mean, the, the, there's been a few matches where he's been on par, and even at times better than Van Dijk. Um, obviously Van Dijk is better than him overall, but you know, being n- next to him, he's really just evolved a lot. And um, he's very fast. He reads the game really well. And one thing that I really like about him that he did a lot more there was when he brings the ball out from the back. He beats one or two men and just opens up the space. That's also. Something Van Dyke does very well, and they both have an amazing long ball on them, which is re- really important to the way that we play.
1: Yeah, certainly, it's it's good to see Joe getting back to his best after maybe a few months. He, he might prefer to forget, as, aside from obviously lifting <laughs> yeah, the title.
0: Definitely.
1: So hopefully he he keeps that form and and um, kind of reproduces what what we've seen in in the kind of his his best um at which coincided with probably liverpool's best run of form in, in the league last season dan you're behind at halftime but given the previously outlined stats was it a relief that you weren't behind by more
2: oh yeah absolutely we we should not have been on the same pitch i i think i want to say the shot which was the goal was the only touch we had inside your penalty area i can't remember if we may have had one at the end of the half but think that was the only one um like we we were just getting completely battered um there we could any score would have been fair like three nil whatever um the fact we your only one goal down was a massive relief um and quite frankly undeserved but you know we take those
1: Arsenal appeared to push their midfield further up the pitch at the start of the second half and enjoyed a bit more time on the ball than the Liverpool half as a result. Meanwhile Liverpool seemed to take their foot off the gas somewhat, failing to make the most of their attacks. Arsenal improved further on the ball when Ceballos replaced Xhaka and it was clear they were still in the game when on both 58 minutes and 62 minutes, Lacazette found himself in behind but couldn't find his way past the imposing figure of Alisson. The first chance was judged offside but Alisson wasn't to know. Simon, Lacazette won the battle in the first half but Alisson appeared to win the war in the second Inevitably, with the high line we employ, a chance or two is going to come for the opposition, particularly a side like Arsenal. How important is the big man in these moments?
0: Uh, he's vital, and I think that's why we can push so high. And I think that's why we saw... I know a lot of people have criticised Adrian. I like him. I think he's good. I think he did quite well. Um, he obviously had that one match that we had wants to talk about. But um, I think just even when he was back there, you could tell that back forward, just that little bit less trusting of him um, and maybe they dropped deep a little bit more than they would or they ended up playing their position onside by just having that little bit more caution and fear but with Ali back there and Ali's been, I don't say he's been off form but he hasn't been at his best lately and he seems to just be finding that form again now and when you know he's back there you can almost take that risk where you bet on him in a one in a 1v1 and he pretty much most of the time wins those 1v1s and the thing about him that i love is that often um with the way these new with the way the new outside rule is that they don't blow the whistle until after the phase of play we do end up with a lot of uh one on ones that we know are offside, but he seems to always do well in them. And I think that plays a huge part in when the opponent is through one on one and it is onside, they probably have it in the back of their mind that they, that he, what he did the last time, even though they were offside. So I think that's a huge part of the mental aspect. And you could just kind of tell that Lacazette just had that little bit of fear and he just took that one touch extra. And maybe if, Alisson hadn't have saved the one that was offside you know he, he might have felt a little bit more confident to beat him
1: yeah certainly Dan we talked previously about how you tend to be quite clinical against the top sides clearly that wasn't the case with this chance and Arsenal fans have been quite critical of Lacazette as a result in a match against the lesser side in which Arsenal have 25 chances that miss might be forgiven so is it the lack of opportunities on the night that perhaps makes it more noticeable? And with that in mind, are fans being harsh here?
2: Uh, I would like to say, I'm not sure if the last match we had 25 chances in, but uh, apart from that, uh, it's fans always think every shot should go in. It's kind of the, like, obviously, it's a good chance, but I, it probably goes in. Like It's one of those where, you know, in the moment, you think it goes in like 100% of the time or 90% of the time or whatever. It's probably like a 30%, 40% chance, um, and he missed it. It was a good player. Allison did very, very well to close down the angle, um, which was significant. Uh, And it's, uh, I don't know. Strikers don't score every chance. That's how football works. Uh, He scored one one out of, uh, I guess, if we're counting the offside shot, three. Um, I can't really be that mad at that. Um, As you say, there weren't many chances. It's hard to take every one. Um, ultimately, I'd be much more much more upset if um, he hadn't got the shot off at all, which is a big complaint of Lacazette. Um, the fact that he missed it kind of is what it is, but um, at least he actually took a shot relatively early compared to what he usually does.
1: I get where you're coming from there. It, it is really, it, it does, fans are always going to be harsh on, on their own strikers. I mean, we know that all too well with with how harsh our fans have been possibly been on on Bobby Firmino of late I I actually had a quick go down I tried to find the last time Arsenal had 25 shots in a match and they didn't even manage it against MK Dons in a preseason friendly so maybe I might have might have been better to say 15 shots there
2: I would take 15 the game, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Shots seem hard to, to come by at the moment for, for Arsenal fans. So hopefully that improves for them as the season goes on. The home side continued to push for the third goal with Van Dijk forcing a save from range and Mane coming close on the turn. There was further controversy on 66 minutes when Fabinho made one of his trademark professional fouls, body-checking Aubameyang as he appeared to break. However, the ref allowed play to continue. Seconds later, Bellerin pulled Mane back on the opposite side and was booked for his troubles. Dan, this one clearly went against Arsenal, but Arsenal fans seemed very critical of the official's performance overall. How did you think the ref and his team did on the night?
2: Um, I didn't think anything was, like, egregiously bad. Um, I don't know. I tend to cut refs some level of slack, unless it's uh, absolutely atrocious. Like, if it's, you know, small mistakes here and there that aren't ultimately aren't all that consequential, uh, it's a very difficult job. I get it. Um, as long as you're getting the big stuff right, it's not, a, it's not a huge deal to me. So, obviously, it's not perfect. No ref ever is. Um, but I don't think it lost this big game or anything. It's really hard for me to be all that upset about, you know, the the contributing factors when, quite frankly, we were so much worse. It's like, oh, uh, I know the score was close, especially till the end, but the performance, we were just so undeserving of being in the game that I, it's hard for me to get angry that this other thing didn't go our way when we really didn't do anything to earn it.
1: I get, I get where you're coming from there. I mean, if it was a, a, a 2-1 win for Liverpool in which both sides have 9-10 shots apiece and it's it's neck and neck and a decision like that goes against you, you're, you're likely to be a little more aggrieved than in, in a case where, where you get, as, as you pointed out, outshot significantly on the night. Now there were some raised eyebrows on 80 minutes from Liverpool fans when the sometimes unplayable on the night Sadio Mane was taken off for new arrival Diogo Jota. However Jota didn't take long to get in among it. A sharp through ball from Salah found Jota in space on the left side of Arsenal's box and he perhaps should have done better failing to get it beyond the side netting. Moments later, another ball seemed destined for the feed of Jota when it was taken off his feed by Salah. However, the third time's the charm. Simon, take it away.
0: Yeah, the third time he did it. So the ball came in um, and it was kind of headed clear away in bounced down. Uh Jota controlled the ball supposedly with his arm, but I'm sure we'll get onto to that uh, I don't really know if it was, I don't think it was handball. It was one of those weird ones anyway. It kind of took the ball well and kind of a little first time volley into the corner. Um, Definitely was the harder of the two ones that he had. And um, obviously, Mo trying to nick the one off him in the middle. And I think uh, when he scored that goal, I think um, Mo was certainly very relieved about that.
1: Yeah, you could see the look on his face. I think G yeah. had had a bit of <laughs> banter with Mo about it. And and speaking of of, of Jota, a debut goal, a forward simply can't hope for a better start to his career at a club. Do you feel we can expect more of the same from him?
0: Um, I hope so. I mean that's one of the issues that he had it was kind of the same way that when um before we bought Manny was the shot amazing form and then they'd go once without scoring or they'd only score like one kind of a few so there is that raw talent there and I know a lot of people have compared him to Mane which is something I wouldn't buy too much into just because it's going to raise fans expectations very high obviously we need to remember what Mane was like before we bought him that's more I think what people mean that he has that same he kind of plays the same role, I suppose, which is like he's in a way, he's our it's the first time that we've kind of had that almost not a man for man like replacement for Manny, but a person who plays the way he would play. And once the team gets to learn his movement, and obviously now that Mo maybe trusts him, he won't try and steal his goals anymore. But that's what Mo, you know, that's just how he, how he is, and um. You have to either love that or hate that about him. But I think he definitely impressed. He got very involved, which is something um, that Origi has failed to do a lot in the past. And something that's definitely annoyed us fans is when he comes off the bench and he just barely gets a touch of the ball. Jadis seemed very... um, He just always was looking for the ball. He made some great little runs and he found himself in the box. And the fact that he got two shots off in the box... Like that in what like a fifteen minute cameo is very impressive. Um, I think, I think it's going to take a little bit of time um, with him. But I think if Klopp can do what he did with Mane, I think he, I think it would just be amazing to either have another option or to be able to take Mane off and bring a person on and the level won't dip.
1: Yeah, I mean it definitely gives us more options as as we talked about on on the front end of the show in, in terms of squad options. You know, we, we at times maybe even last season we, we didn't always have the, the right player to bring on and, and now it feels more likely that, that we will have those players. Um, Dan, more apparent controversy from an Arsenal point of view, with some suggesting it should have been a handball. What was your take? Do you feel people are quick to cry handball given recent decisions perhaps?
2: They um, I mean, definitely are quick to call handball, which I mean, with the new handball rule and the uh, everyone having to learn it and uncertain what is a handball and what isn't. Um, that's always going to happen. Uh, it could have gone either way. Uh, it's kind. Of, I think the rule is if it's um, above the shirt, it's fine. If it's not, it's handball. Um, so uh, there is reason to think that it could have been handball. Um, I, again, this kind of goes into the I can only get so mad. Category, but um, uh, it, it's it's a more reasonable one to get mad at because it's it is a goal and um, it's a it, I could see it be given um, considering where it hit him on the arm, it's close, but I could definitely see it, so it's a bit more reasonable to get annoyed about that one.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there is a lack of clarity on on that rule, and I mean, we've uh, we won't go into the to the uh, Newcastle penalty on the weekend, but i mean there's it's it's probably the biggest talking point in in football media at the moment is is the, the lack of clarity there from the, the rule in england um while other countries you know seem to have been dealing with it for a little longer so they're they're more comfortable with with how to to deal with those decisions um obviously liverpool seen out the the 3-1 win uh, after the game Roy Keane suggested Liverpool were sloppy at times on the night. Klopp was quick to shut this down feeling that the performance was far from sloppy. He suggested that against a side like Arsenal there will inevitably inevitably be chances and it's times like that that you need your goalkeeper to do what Alisson did. Simon do you agree with the manager's assessment of the performance?
0: Ah, yeah, I think he just completely shut down Roy Keane there and I think uh, pretty sure that Roy Keane didn't realise the Klopp was listening into his conversation and you could see the face on him just he just looked absolutely mortified. But uh I don't think we were sloppy. I mean we made one error. I mean it was a individual error. I mean that's you can't really get too mad about that. That's the kind of stuff that happens in football quite often. It is just annoying that we played so well and that one error ended up costing us a goal and I mean, apart from that, and like I said, one on one, with you know, they didn't really have like a big chance. We weren't letting up a lot. We thought we controlled the match very well. They kind of had to c- come forward a little bit more in the second half, and the game opened up. But we never really allowed our pressing to dip, and we just—I thought it was one of—I thought it was an absolutely amazing. Uh, performance probably like as up there with last week against Chelsea probably even better than that Um, and it still looks like we have a couple of levels to move up and yeah I mean I think we started really really well and um, I think I'm not saying we are going to win the league it's very early but I think we're showing form and we're showing that hunger that we want to win it again um, especially when you look at the other teams, you know, your top four, uh, the rest of the teams who should be up there with us, they haven't seemed to hit ground running so well and um, it's just nice to kind of see that form from us and yeah, I don't know what Rogan is talking about, but you know him, that's just how he is.
1: Yeah, he, he likes to, to be overly <laughs> harsh at times. Yeah. I mean, I I felt the midfield was a standout area on the night, particularly the performance of Fabinho. It was a midfield that the manager was perhaps somewhat forced into selecting given injuries, although not to say he wouldn't have selected them regardless. What was your take on their performance?
0: Yeah, they were really, really good. Fab was really good at breaking a play and just um, holding that line back, dropping back when he needed to. And um, I mean... They were, it was that kind of workhorse midfield that we tend to see from us. I thought Nabi played, he made a couple of nice chances. He had a few, he had one shot, and he was, it wasn't particularly advanced, but I thought his link up play was really, really good. He showed a lot of kind of what we see from Wijnaldum, um, who's maybe playing a little bit more of a deep role there, with Nabi being the sort of eight in our. Know? three the more kind of advanced they eh? um, but I just thought they worked really well as a unit and I really liked that midfield three and it's one that f- fans had been calling for in a way and I know Henderson is very important too but I think um, I think if Henderson was pretty probably would have played but um, yeah I think that I really like to look at that midfield actually
1: yeah, it was really impressive The the fact that we could have three notable midfielders injured and and still field a midfield of that quality is is a real testament to that depth that we're we're talking about. And it's nice to be able to talk about that depth. And finally, Simon, who was your man of the match?
0: Uh, I my man of the match is Mane. Actually, I just thought he was just an absolute beast. He was chasing every ball, handing Arsenal. Um, when they were in, when they were trying to pass the ball out from the back, I thought he created a lot. He was there for the goal, obviously, um, and he was obviously very annoyed when he was taken off. But I just thought he was an absolute menace on the pitch.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, as I said earlier, he, he seemed unplayable at times, which is why I think it surprised a few people when he was the one to to make way for Jada. But obviously, that paid off in the end. And Dan, a 3-1 loss is never going to leave you feeling positive at the end of the day. However, from my perspective, this was a very different 3-1 defeat from the one in the corresponding fixture last season. Pulling no punches. At that time, I felt we were half-cocked and yet still were unlucky not to come away with seven or eight goals. To put it simply, playing Arsenal was easy. Last night was far from easy, though. Liverpool played very well and Arsenal forced them to. Are there positives to take despite the result?
2: Um, honestly, that should, there are to be honest. I don't know. I, it, it was different in the way in the fact that Liverpool had like played well um, and won 3-1 as opposed to, as you say last year. They really didn't have to. Um, but I'm still not sure we did a whole lot that makes me all that positive. Um, Danny It was, was nice when he came on. That is probably the biggest positive that his form uh, appears to be carrying through from the restart uh outside of that um we have our typical karen tierney's still good um despite his uh quote unquote error on the first goal i think bernland is still quite good but um i don't know overall outside of ceballos i'm not sure i'm all that positive about it um but that said this isn't the game i'm looking to be positive about uh or looking to take positives from really uh it's about how we perform into the lower sides and see if we can improve those performances so I didn't go into this expecting anything. I didn't come out of it with anything other than maybe Ceballos looked good, so um, it's not the most encouraging. But it's kind of where I expected to be, so it is what it is.
1: And Arteta was quite honest in his post-match interview, pointing out that Arsenal are years behind Liverpool and Man City in their development. Is some patience required from some Arsenal fans who, given their recent victories over these clubs, seem to suddenly expect the club to be competing at the top this season?
2: Yes, it very much is. Some of the expectations um, for this team seem just wildly out of proportion with where we have proven ourselves to been, uh, be. I mean, last year we finished eighth, and quite frankly, based on underlying numbers, we were even worse than that. Um, there seems to be this impression that uh, that was all Emory, and everything changed dramatically under Arteta, and if you look into it, it's really not the case. We obviously had some good results, but... Um, Really, you could argue the Ben City uh, game in the FA Cup was a decent performance, but even that was more like we played okay, and the fact that we were outshot before we were wasn't as detrimental. It was clearly somewhat purposeful, um, but still is like an okay performance, but not some game-changer If it's going to clearly... That clearly indicates we're a significantly better team. Uh, the Liverpool win was just a complete fluke, so that I took absolutely nothing from, as cool as it was to win. Um, so uh, Even with all the big victories at the end of the season... Um, really the Chelsea one was the only one that, that I would take something from maybe were were improved, but just based on the whole... On Arsenal, under Arteta, the quality of players we have, um, I'm not really sure where the optimism is, is coming from other than just the general fact that fans tend to be optimistic at the beginning of the season. So yes, I think patience is necessary. I don't expect us to make top four of the season. I'm not sure we're going to be all that close. Um, I think it's more about seeing how we do Improving performances, showing that we can beat up on the little teams again, um, because that's something we've failed to do the last few years. And it's going to be a very, very important skill for us to relearn um, if we are going to make top four in future years. Yeah, so
1: certainly it would seem a little bit of patience is needed. It's obviously, as, as I suggested earlier, it d- does seem that the players are buying into to Arteta's plan, and, and that's important. That's an important building block. But as you pointed out, perhaps the, the personnel just, just aren't there yet, and it's, it's going to take maybe a, a window or two more to, to start to get those in. But that about wraps it up for the match. Um, Simon, any plugs from your end?
0: Um, Not there at the moment, but there'll probably be an FBL podcast out this week. Uh, There was one out last week, obviously, but that's uh, that's gone past now. So we try to put them out once a week when we can.
1: Perfect. So everyone listen out for that if you're into your fantasy football. And any plugs from you, Dan, from the EPL Index side of things?
2: Uh, Nothing at the moment, but I'm sure I'll write something uh, on EPL Index soon. So you can go to that website and see any of my writings there. And then uh, subscribe to the EPL Roundtable. uh, for. I'll, I'll be a guest every once in a while on that show as well. And it's a good show even when I'm not on it. Go listen. It's good.
1: I'd second that. Certainly give it a listen if you aren't already. And I'd also recommend following the lads on Twitter if you aren't already. You can follow Dan at the underscore jersey underscore fits with a Z. And you can follow Simon at Hefty Horse, so give them both a follow if you aren't already. Thank you to the lads for joining me tonight, and thank you for listening. Goodbye.
2: Sports Social
1: Podcast Network.